We welcome you. We're so glad you're joining us today. If you ever want to come down to our service, we'll make you feel like you're right at home. So Mark chapter 16, we're going to take a break from the series we've been talking about with Mega Grace. We're going to take a little break from that, and we're going to talk about, obviously, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now the scripture says in Mark chapter 16, verse 1, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they had looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified, but is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter. Don't forget Peter now. Go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. Let's stop there. These people, Mary, Mary, and Salome, were all coming to anoint this dead body. And man, when they got there, they were surprised. They, they were expecting something dead. They were looking for Jesus in a dead place. And when they had got to the tomb, they were instantly greeted with an angel. And this angel was sitting on the, the place where Jesus was laid. And he said, he is not here. He is risen. And man, I can guarantee you that was the best news that anybody has ever heard since that day. That is the greatest news, in fact, that you are about to hear today, that he is not there. He is risen. Amen? He is no longer on this earth. He's no longer in the tomb. In fact, if you go to Buddha's tomb, guess what you'll find? Buddha. If you go to Muhammad's tomb, guess what you'll find? Muhammad. If you go to anybody else's tomb, you will find that person. But if you go to Jesus Christ's tomb, you will not find a body. Amen? Amen? Because he's gone. He's risen, and now he's in heaven, seated in heavenly places with the Father at the right hand of God. And he's called us to come sit up there with him. Thank you, Lord. You know, in Luke chapter 24, the same account, when the angel talks to them and he says, he's not here and they're seeking among the dead. In Luke, he actually says, why do you seek the living among the dead? Jesus is alive. And he says, why do you seek the living among the dead? There's a lot of people who are curious in life and they're trying to figure out what is the way? What is the, the, the way to life? What is the way to peace? What's the way to prosperity? And they try to find all of these routes and they think maybe Judaism is the way. 
maybe Catholicism is the way. Maybe, maybe uh, whatever other religion they are looking at, they think it's the way, but they're asking, they're, they're, they're looking in the wrong places. They're looking in the wrong places, and it's as if we tell them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why are you looking for Jesus in a different place? You see, they might not actually be looking for Jesus Christ, but they're looking for a version of him. They're looking for another example of him, and they're trying to find all of these, these vices. They're trying to find all of these things in their life to satisfy the need for Jesus. But the question is, why are you looking for the living among the dead? All other ways all other religions, all other things, other methods, other forms of meditation, all other things in life that do not involve Jesus are dead. They are dead. But people are still looking for the living in the dead. There is this hunger in people's lives to find this life that Jesus gave us. People everywhere are looking for this life that's called eternal life that only Jesus can give. And they're looking for Jesus in all the wrong places. They're going to the bars and they're trying to satisfy themselves by getting drunk and by not remembering their past. They're trying to find all these other ways to get life in dead places. But there's only one place, only one place that the living belong and it's not with the dead, amen? It's with us in heaven. It's with us where we will live forever in paradise. It's with, with, in this life, the scripture says, that we can experience things now in this life and in the life to come. This living water that Jesus came to give us. If we continue, it says in verse 9, well, in verse 8, they said, so they went out quickly and they fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. But then Mary encounters Jesus. And in verse 9, it says, Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, let me inspire you really quick. If Jesus got up early in the morning, you can too. If Jesus was an early riser, you can be an early riser too. A fun fact about myself. You guys learn about me more than I even know about myself. The Lord just makes me say these things. <laughs> A fun fact about me when I was growing up, as probably any high schooler, young adult person does, I would sleep in about 12 o'clock. And I would just sleep my whole day away. And I'd wake up at noontime and think my whole day is gone. And I would just live the rest of that day but then I'd go to bed late to make up for all the time that I spent sleeping. But I was not an early riser. You could not get me to wake up early for nothing. Church was about it, and school was about it. But you, I, if it were up to me, I would sleep in all the way till noon. What a life is that, huh? Man, I, let me just tell you, marriage just makes everything better. Because when I got married to her, guess what time I started waking up at? Six o'clock on the dot every single day. And now I've kind of got a little lazy with it. I'll turn my alarm off and I'll maybe get up at 6.30 on a good day. But I've learned and I've trained myself to start waking up early. And I love waking up early. I get disappointed when I'm, when I'm 
when I sleep in a little longer to about seven, I, I'm, I get frustrated because I just lost an hour of my day. And I, I wake up at six and I feel great because I have all day long. And you know what's the great thing about being kind of self-employed, I guess? I can work whenever I want to. And so usually when I wake up, I start working at like 6.30 and then I'm done by 12.30 or 1 because I spent all morning working and now I have the rest of the day to hang out with my wife. It's a great thing. But I learned to rise early, to get up early, just like Jesus did, so you can too. So if anybody needs that encouragement today, if you can't get up early in the morning, that's a word for you, that the Lord did it so you can do it too. Amen? Amen. But there's also another importance about this early rising. And David, in fact, says it in the Psalms. He says, God, you are my God. Early, I will seek thee. And it can certainly mean early in the morning, I will seek you. The first thing that I do in the morning, I will be with you. I will seek you. I will be in your word. I will be in prayer. I will be with you. I will seek you early in the morning. But it also can mean something else. I mean, early is always better than late, right? Can we agree on that? Early is always better than late. Except maybe for like one or two instances. But early is is better. And early can mean I will seek you early before my problem arises. Before I encounter something that I don't want to go through, I will seek you before. Because we have a lot of Christians who are seeking God only when problems come. But imagine what would your life look like if a problem did come from the enemy, but you've been with the Lord early. You were with him before, way before the problem arose in your life, and you were with him early. You were seeking him early. Early just simply means priority. It's a priority in your life, whether that be the first thing you do in the morning or the first thing you do just in your life. You sought the Lord early. And so when things come in your life, you're prepared. It'd be a much better life, a much more fulfilled life. Amen. So it says, when he rose early on the first day of the week, you see how distracted I can get just from that one sentence? <laughs> he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast out seven demons. She went and told those, uh, told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. So then when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. Man, these are the people that walked with Jesus, that talked with him, that saw him raise Lazarus from the, from the dead. Yet they did not believe. They did not believe what Mary had said. You know, mourning was the only response to death. Mourning was the only response to death. That's all that they knew. Amen? Thank you, Lord. That is all that they knew because no one had ever died and rose again. No one had ever died on a cross. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. He was the first to die being hung on a cross on display to be taken off the cross, wrapped in some garments, put into a tomb. And get up three days later. Thank you, Lord. And you got to give his disciples some grace. I've never seen this before. Never seen this before. But yet he still urged Mary to go tell him. Tell him what you saw. And I love that he used Mary, the first preacher ever. The first preacher of the resurrection of Jesus. And her sermon was probably the shortest sermon you've ever heard. And you're probably going to be wishing that she's preaching instead of me. Because she runs back to her people and all she's saying is, He is risen! He is risen! He is risen! And that's it. That was the sermon. And she preached this sermon, and I can just imagine her excitement, this, this, this joy that was rising up inside of her, because she not only heard that Jesus had risen, but she saw. She saw him, and it's funny, because one of the scriptures says that she had thought he was a gardener when he appeared to her. He says, gardener, where did you take his body? But she met Jesus face to face. And she went running back to her people, saying, he is risen. And you would think that his disciples who'd been walking with him for three years were to go, no way, you saw him? Where is he? Take us to him. But what do they do? I don't believe you. Who are you? Are you possessed again? And they don't believe her. They doubt. And they struggle in believing in the resurrection. You know, the resurrection, without the resurrection, everything that we preach, everything that we do would be 100% void. Everything we believe would be in vain. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, but if there's no resurrection, we read it earlier, of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ isn't risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God. You know what a false witness is? A liar. If there's no resurrection, we are liars because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. But for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile and you're still in sin. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, for of all men, the most is pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He's saying if, if, if he never rose from the dead, everything we did is in vain. Church, if he didn't rise from the dead, there'd be no purpose in us meeting here today. There'd be no purpose in coming to church ever again. 
There'd be no purpose. This life would be meaningless. But that's not what happened. He rose from the dead. And now we're here together today, 2,000 years later, witnessing to people, saying, He is risen. Still sharing the shortest message ever to be recorded on the history of the planet. He is risen. And we are still shouting that today. That is the gospel. Without the resurrection, the gospel is dead. Without the resurrection, the gospel has no power. We need the resurrection. That is the whole belief of Christianity. What do you believe in? What, what is your belief? What's your faith in? Is it that you can just be healed? Is it that you can just prosper? If it's those things, but it doesn't follow or come after the resurrection, it's vain. It is vain. But thanks be to God, because he rose from the dead. He defeated sin and death. And now through that, through that miraculous thing that he did, we can now preach this with boldness. And we can now live this in power. Amen? Amen. Because he rose from the dead. Thank you, Lord. Your faith is not secure without belief in the resurrection. Your faith isn't secure without the actual resurrection occurring. We needed that resurrection. I, we needed it. Like it was, we needed the resurrection to actually happen. Going back to Mark chapter 16, in verse 12, he says, after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. So this is an image that of Jesus now walking and talking with two more people. And if you're familiar with the story, that there's these people who are on a, on a road to this place called Emmaus, and he's talking with them, and, and they're, they're not joyful. They're mourning as well, because someone had just passed away that they loved Jesus Christ, the one who came to conquer sin and death, has died. And now there's just this mourning. And this mourning, that's all that they were used to. This mourning is what they defaulted to. And he tells them, don't you know? Don't you know what had happened? Don't you know about the news that's taken place? And the scripture says, by the time they had finished their journey, he broke bread with them. And then they realized who he was, and he vanished. He vanished. And they finally understood that it was Jesus that they were walking with. And it says they went and told everybody about it, but guess what? They didn't believe it either. They still had doubts. They had their arms crossed and said, prove it to me. Show me proof. And there was doubts. And in verse 15... Well, before we go there, actually, in verse 14, he says, Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked them. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Can you imagine the, the, his disciples, and there's a reason why they were called the disciples, right? 
I mean, he, here he is for three years telling them, the Son of Man will die and rise from the dead. The Son of Man will do this. He'll be buried in the ground. Three days later, he'll come up. The destruction of the temple. And then three days later, it'll be rebuilt. He's telling them about this. Their whole entire ministry, this is going to happen to me, guys. This will happen. And every time he would tell them, they said, well, where are you going? He says, I'm going to a place that you don't know. Well, where is that, Lord? Tell us where it's at so we know. And they don't get it. All the way up to his crucifixion, they still don't get it. They don't understand it. And then here's Jesus appearing, literally walking into the room with a closed door through the wall. And he appears to them. And you can just see the, the disciples sitting there. Maybe they're shocked at first, but I can guarantee you the moment they realized it was Jesus, they'd want to go up to him and hug him. Oh, Jesus, you're alive. And hug him and greet him and be with them. But what are they greeted with? I rebuke you. You did not believe. I rebuke you. And this rebuke was a hard rebuke. It wasn't just, guys, come on, man. Why didn't you believe? No. This is all that Christianity is about. And they did not believe it. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and for their hardness of heart. We are called believers. But what is it that we believe in? Right? That is who we are. We are believers. But belief in anything other than the resurrection of Jesus Christ it's nothing. I may be so bold to say it's cultish. Believing in something other than, I'm talking about believing in, in, in your favorite sports team to win. Believing in something that causes you life. Believing in anything else that, that, that causes you to have abundance, to have prosperity, to have peace. Belief in anything else other than the resurrection of Jesus is vain. It's vain. All roads do not lead to Jesus. Amen. All roads don't go to heaven. One does. Okay. Only one does. Now, you might find Jesus in your life venturing down a wrong road, but guess what? That's as far as you will get. You won't get past him. It's only through him you can go to the Father. Amen. Only through him. And the moment you discover him, you know what he's going to tell you? Come follow me. Leave that behind. Come follow me. Leave what you're used to behind. Come follow me. Leave that practice behind. Come follow me. And he will lead you to the Father because him and the Father are one. You see, as believers, we cannot be like these disciples and doubt what the word says about him. We need to be quick to believe what he says. The Bible says you want me well, I'm quick to believe it. The Bible says he rose from the dead, I'm quick to believe it. The Bible says that he wants us to have peace, I'm quick to believe it. We've got to be quick to believe. I'm not saying believe everything you hear, but be quick to believe what you hear from the word. 
Be quick to, what, to believe what you hear from this inspired, anointed word of God. Don't take your time about it. Don't try to contemplate it. Don't try to make it make sense in your mind. That's called the flesh. That's called carnal. And the carnal and the spirit cannot go together. You've got to be quick to it. Believe it quickly. Say, oh, I believe that in Jesus' name. I might not see it right now in my life, but I believe it. I'm quick to believe it. Don't be slow. Do not be slow to believe it. Friends, you don't have, you don't have all the time when you're in the world. Those watching online, some people don't want to come to church because they're comfortable sitting on the couch. Listen to me. You're not going to be able to get fellowship by sitting on the couch. You're not going to be able to dive deeper by sitting on the couch. And people who often are just watching from a distance, people who don't want to be connected to a church, who don't want to come sit in a church, I can guarantee you, give them a few years and they will be gone. They will be disconnected entirely. And you don't have forever to wait on. You don't have forever to just sit there and think about life or think about if Jesus is the way. You don't have time. You got to be quick to believe in him. To believe in his resurrection. Thank you, Lord. Now watch what he said right after this. Right after he rebuked those disciples because of the hardness of their heart. Verse 15, he says, in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he says, Go into all the world. I don't have it on the screens. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Those who believe what? The resurrection. The resurrection is the power that fuels our belief. The resurrection is the power that fuels our faith to do exactly what Jesus told us to do. That was his commission. And his commission directly followed. Believe. Believe in me that I died for you. I took everything from you. All your sickness, all your pain, all of your mistakes, all of your shortcomings, all the things that you hate about yourself, I took them. Now you go do this. You go out into all the world and preach the good news. What's the good news? The good news is the cross, what Jesus did on the cross, but it doesn't stop there. You see, I feel like we just, we block ourselves, man. I feel like as Christians, we limit ourselves because we only stop at he died and rose again. I believe in Jesus. But why did he die? Why did he go to the cross in the first place? He went to the cross to take everything that was evil from us, not just sin and wickedness, but evil in death. He conquered it. That's the significance of believing in the resurrection. 
And the good news is because of this one instance that Jesus did, you're no longer a sinner. You are righteous in the sight of God. You're no longer a sick person. You are healed in Jesus' name. The Bible says that he came to preach to the poor. Why? So they could be made rich. That's the good news. It doesn't just stop at sins. It follows the whole, the whole pattern of Jesus' ministry here on earth. So what did he say would happen to those who are quick to believe? To be power in their life. We've been talking about Acts for the past few weeks. And what have we been discussing every opening of the sermon? The first four chapters. What happened in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 4. Well, the beginning of all of those things, Jesus told his disciples to wait here until you receive power from the Holy Spirit so you can be a witness. And their whole ministry, everything that they knew was all witnessing about the resurrection of Jesus. That's what fueled their faith. That was, that's what was able... <laughs> Friends, this, this resurrection witness, the witness of the resurrection is what enabled them to go to the man who was lame since birth and says, get up right now and walk in Jesus' name. The power of the resurrection's witness, that's what enabled them to have this power. Thank you, Lord. You have to acknowledge the resurrection. And I love the resurrection because it means a little bit more than what we're used to just thinking about. And there's a story in the Bible that has nothing to do with the resurrection on paper, but in, in, in spirit it does. It's in Luke chapter 15. Luke Chapter 15. In verse 11, Jesus said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portions of goods that falls to me. You guys are familiar with this passage of scripture. The prodigal son. And he tells his father, give me what is inherently mine. Give, give to me what belongs to me. I don't want to wait for you to pass. Give it to me now. So the father gives them all his inheritance. He divides it. He divides to them his livelihood. Verse 13, not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country. You see, that's important. There's distance. He journeyed. He wasn't on the fence anymore. He went a far distance away from his father, away from his family. And he said, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to want. 
Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into fields to feed swine. And he would be gladly, he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, you see, we don't have the luxury of, of reading the words in scripture that tells us how long this son was gone. But I was talking to Stephanie earlier this morning, just, remember, just going over this in my head. And I started thinking, I don't think this, this son was gone for about a week. I don't think this son was gone for a weekend. It wasn't a weekend splurge. He journeyed far away. No contact. And he was given an inheritance. And you know his father was pretty wealthy. He was given an inheritance. And he spent it all. And I believe it kind of looked like this. He had the money. He went off and did his own thing. And then he started splurging here and there. And then he spent a little bit on this and spent a little bit on that. And after about a year, he looks at his account and goes, uh-oh, I'm a little low. Maybe I should work part-time and see what I can do from there. And as he's working, he keeps spending more. He keeps living this, this lazy life, and he keeps spending and spending and spending to the point where years down the road, he has nothing. And during that time of, of trying to make means for himself, he goes all the way below himself to eat with the pigs. I can guarantee you, Someone who spent all of their money in one weekend would go running home before he even got a chance to eat with pigs. What had happened here? This time had passed and this pride had grown. Oh, I can do this by myself. I can survive. I'm not going to go back to mommy and daddy. I can survive. And this pride rose up inside of him to cause him to eat with pigs. So much pride that he ate with pigs. But then he says, when he came to the end of himself, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger. And he says this in verse 18, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. What's happening is humility and repentance. Humility and repentance is in this person's heart. He realized I am nothing. Even my father's servants have more than me. So let me go back. Let me humble myself lower than a son. I don't deserve to be a son anymore. And he goes back to the father with this attitude. It says, and when he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. 
And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. I can just picture this in my mind. The son, you obviously tell, could tell that he was planning all this in his head. He was reciting it to himself before he went. So this is what I'll say. Surely this will make me come back into his life. And he said, I will say this. I'm no longer worthy. And he comes to his father. And now is his time to say it. And so he begins saying, Father, I am, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer to be called worthy and be your son. And I'm sure he had more planned to say. And before he can get any other words out, his father said, no, 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 no come here. And he embraced him. And I'm sure the guy's thinking, really, that's it? I had more. I had more to say to prove myself to him. Hey, friends, this is a story of redemption, but it's also a story of resurrection. Because if we go on, He says, put on a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. And they began to be merry. This is a story of death and life, a resurrection, just like the story that's being told over thousands of of airwaves, over thousands of TVs and churches, the story of the resurrection is being told today. But notice what the father does when the son comes. He embraces him. He kisses him. And then he says, bring my best robe. Now in my Bible, it has a footnote where it says bring. And on the footnote, do you want to know what it says? Quickly bring. Quick, bring out the best robe. Quick, get my rings and put them on him. Quick, get sandals onto his feet. Quick, get the, get the meat and let's cook it. Let's have a feast. Quick, because my son has returned to me. And friends, you want to know why it's important for us to believe quickly? To believe quickly in the resurrection, to believe quickly in what Jesus has done for us, because the quickly, when we quickly believe, God is quickly to forgive. He will quickly forgive all of our stuff that we've done. He will quickly redeem us and bring us into his family when we are quick to believe. Amen? Quickly. Quickly. The father did not look at the son and go, wait, okay, you can come in, but. Let's go wash you up first. Let's go clean you up a little bit first before we have a meal. Let's make sure you're prepared. You look good. Let's make sure that you have everything taken care of first before you come into my house. But he said, quickly, quickly get this robe of righteousness and put it on my child. Get this robe of healing and put it on my son, on my daughter. That is what our father in heaven is telling us. Anybody who has never received Jesus, they don't understand how quickly God is to forgive. Thank you, Lord. But notice it didn't take place until the son had come to himself. He realized, I can't do this on my own. 
I can't live this life by myself. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not my own source. I'm, I'm a horrible source. I can't be my own source. And Jesus even says something similar in Matthew chapter 5. He says, blessed, blessed are the people who are at the end of their rope. You are more blessed to be at the end of your rope because when you're at the end of your rope, there is less of you and there is more of God. And this son came to the end of his rope. I can't do this anymore, Lord. I can't live my own life anymore, Lord. I'm quick to believe. And every time the father will say, well, I'm quick to forgive. I'm quick to make you righteous. I'm quick to make you a part of my family. And I love that about our Lord and that's what Jesus was sacrificed for. He was sacrificed for that love. He died on the cross for that love. Isn't God good? Thank you, Lord. Lastly, I want to go to Romans chapter 10. And if I can have the guitar come back up. Romans chapter 10. Thank you, Lord. When we're quick to believe, God is quick to receive. He's quick to receive us. Oh, thank you, Lord. And the scripture says this, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. He says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. What does this word confession mean? It means to say the same thing as, to agree with what's, with, uh, with what's already been said, to confess. And when you confess the Lord Jesus raised from the dead, you're not making that up in your own self. You don't have the brain power to think of that, to comprehend that. But you're confessing, you're agreeing with what's already been said about Jesus. You're agreeing with his word, and that's all God's asking for people to do. Just agree with what my word says. Agree with what I've said about my son, Jesus. And the scripture also says that as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so you walk in him. So after he says, just confess, just agree, agree with me that my son raised from the dead and saved you, you'll be saved. And then he says, okay, then agree in this too, that I've healed you also. Start confessing healing over your life. Start confessing good things over your life because I've already said them about you. But the first step will always begin with confessing in the Lord Jesus. Confessing that he rose from the dead three days after his crucifixion. This confession. We gotta be quick. Quick to believe it. 
quick to receive it, quick to say those things out of our mouth, that he has rose from the dead, that he has saved us from death. He has saved us from all the punishment we would ever face in this life. He saved us from all of it because of his love for us. That's confessing it with your mouth. Thank you, Lord. Now, we might be a room full of people who happily confess this, We might be a room full of people. You might be watching this video and and you might just have this confession already inside of you that yes, I have confessed it. Yes, I am. But there are still people who have not confessed the Lord Jesus. There are still people who are still questioning. They're still seeking for life in dead places. And all they need to do is quickly confess. Just quickly believe quickly receive Jesus into their heart. And it's as simple as this, friends. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is the gospel of Jesus. That's all it takes. Confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart. We're going to take a moment right now for anybody who's watching online, anybody in the room, I don't know your heart. You might be coming to church for years, but I don't know your heart. If there's anybody in the room or if there's anybody watching online who has yet to make this confession, who has yet to quickly believe, they're skeptical still, they're still putting some blockers in front of their belief. They're still doubting. They're questioning. They're trying to figure out how. My encouragement to you is stop it. Just be quick. Just believe it. And if that's you online or anybody in this room, we read it, right? That's how simple it is to be saved by confession of the mouth and believing in the heart. And so we're going to pray for people right now. If anyone's watching online, if you're in the room, I just want you to say this. You say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again for me. Thank you for taking my sin and thank you for taking my sicknesses. I believe you love me. I believe you want good things for me. I believe you care about me. I confess today that you are the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lead me in all of my life. Tell me where to go. Tell me what to do. Tell me how to do it, Lord. You have complete control of me. I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you. And I believe you are my Savior. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hey, if that was you online or anyone in here, that was your first time or maybe your 20th time, I don't know. And frankly, I don't care, but if that was you this morning, I want you to let us know. 
If you're watching online, please email us at prayer at deeprootedmi.net. We would love to get a hold of you and contact you and share with you what God's been doing. We'll also send you a free gift. If you're not watching, if you're not from the U.S. or from Visalia, we'll send you something free. But if that was anybody in the room, we'd love to pray with you at the end of service, talk to you, meet with you, give you a free book uh, so you can just venture on this, this life with, with Christ a little further, a little deeper, and start something strong with the Lord. Amen. God is good. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Amen. God is so faithful to us. Let us stand this morning as we get dismissed and go on our day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just, we just thank you this morning. We all just thank you. We all give you our, our praise, Lord, our, our, our admiration, Lord, of your goodness, of your, your, your faithfulness in our life, Jesus. We are so grateful and so thankful for what you've done. And Lord, let us not just say things in word, but let us show things in action, how grateful we are for you, how appreciative we are of you, Lord, that the love of you is overflowing out of us into others. Let that be an example to other people who, who are, are far away from you. Today we're meeting with a lot of people. Today we're gathering with lots of friends and family, and I pray that you inspire us to be that light to them. They may only celebrate this day with an Easter bunny and an egg, but Father, we believe that we can be a light, Lord. We believe we can show people your goodness, Father, so let that resonate through us as we go throughout our day. Let your love and your goodness and your faithfulness just be on display through every one of these people in this room, Father, and watching online. We love you and we praise you. We thank you for your word today. And everybody said, amen.